Welcome, everybody, to Under the Blanket with your host, Baba Here Love. And we are in Miraji, under Miraji's blanket, in his heart, where her, as he says, sub X all is one. And today, I'm having a pity party. I'm ready to <laughs> break down in tears. And that's good because this episode's about suffering. And he is suffering. What I'm watching, Eric. Baba, here, love. He's suffering. He's having a pity party because I'll get into it first. I have my guest, Becky, who's been on the show plenty of times, and she'll get the chance to talk. But first, I'm going to go. So anyway, I'm like, I met this girl on Tinder, and we had an immediate connection. And uh, she's into Tantra, which is a sexual yoga, and she's into Ram Das and all that kind of stuff. And she's awakening and all that kind of good stuff. And we had a really good connection, and we ended up even doing a few tantric sessions on the phone, and she planned to meet me uh, in person when she was done her business trip, which would have been in two weeks. But, you know, I was sending her some poems every day and little pictures and little videos of poems I made specifically for her. And she was saying how much she liked it, and then we'd, you know, do our tantric session at night and blah, blah, blah. And then she texted me, which probably a lot of people think is a stupid reason to cut it off with someone, but I did anyway. She said, uh, you're distracting me from my work by sending me these texts, blah, blah, blah. And, of course, my little sensitive child, inner child was like, what? If I'm a distraction, why can't she put it on notification block? You know, there's a, right. I, for those of you out there, there is a thing where you could block notifications if a person texts you too much. You could just block them on a notification so you don't hear it bing. It's really simple and easy, and then you can get back to the person later, and you don't have to tell them you text too much. <laughs> anyway, you could see in my voice, probably, or hear in my voice, how pity party I'm getting. How, like, well, why couldn't it work out? Why did you have to move? Why couldn't I see her? No, no, no. But, you know, that suffering, which is not terrible suffering, like having COVID or you know, someone dying in your family or whatever, but it's still suffering. That suffering, I watch it. I see it. It's a grist for my mill of awakening. What I did was I took my suffering, instead of sitting crying about it, which I like to cry about it, but I have trouble crying. <laughs> I laugh instead. <laughs> but I want to cry. If I could, I want to. <laughs> see, I can't get it out. Anyway, so I went in the street. I put on Jim Morrison, not to touch the earth. And I just dance, and I dance, and I dance, and I don't care what anybody thinks. Most people seem to like it, but some people think it's weird. I don't even care. I like watching the different reactions. Anyway, I mostly like just doing it. <laughs> so, I, <laughs> so I was dancing, and I felt ecstasy, and I felt joy, and I felt wonderful, and I felt relief. And then as soon as I come back into my hippie pad, I'm sitting there with the pity party again. So, you know, but it's still, it's there, it's there, the suffering is there, and it can be used as a, as a, as a way to awaken, you know, like Ramdas says, suffering is grace. Well, suffering is really only grace when we see it that way, when we use it right. that way. So, right. I go, so Becky's here, and she's going to go into, you know, suffering is grace? Becky, what the hell does that mean? Tell, take it away, Becky. <sighs> okay, so... Um, yeah. Okay. I'll talk a little bit briefly about my thing. So my mom, I, I think I, I messaged you, Eric, about this. I, my mom went into the hospital or she was debating about going to the hospital. She has bipolar disorder, which 
a disorder that we all know and love. And, um, and I did not know that she had it. Um, I did know she was on lithium. I didn't even know why she was on it. Um, but they had to take her off the lithium and she ended up getting very manic in a way that I've never seen her before. Just very rapid speech, not sleeping well, very highly creative, just kind of creating constantly. And the doctor was concerned because my mom was not taking her medicine like she was supposed to. Um, and I, my mom's older, obviously, and, and she's in her seventies and, you know, I think just, she just got overwhelmed and, and just overstimulated and, and wasn't taking her medicine or they, they just didn't, they didn't have a handle on what was going on. So they, they, um, asked to, if she would willingly come to the, um, the psych ward, the psych hospital, um, so they could just have her take her medicine, be there every day, monitor her and just keep an eye on her and really observe her because right now she's living on her own and she's kind of flaky as it is. I mean, she, she's an artist and, and, um, anyway, so I have two brothers, but I'm the oldest and I'm the only female. And it seems like I have taken on the role of really managing this and trying to figure out what's going on and talking to the psych nurses and talking to the therapists and, doing all this. Well, my point of suffering comes in where, um, my mom is in pain. Some of the time, some of the time she feels really, really good because she's manic, but my mom is in pain and I'm 2000 miles away and I can't do anything about it. And there's this, it's, it's this kind of bittersweet because it's just, I feel so honored and just this great love of love for her. I used to be very bitter towards her and, and now I just have this deep love. Um, but I, I can't help her and, and, and not in the way that I would like to, I want to, you know, I want to make her safe and I'm doing it all remotely and, and dealing with, you know, all the, the whole system, medical system and all that stuff. So, and, and the meantime, I'm moving, I've, you know, moved everything else. I'm, you know, recently divorced and, and doing all this on my own. Um, so that's, that's, so I'm just, it's not even a conscious, I'm not thinking about it, but I'm feeling the, the malaise and the heavy, and I don't want to, I don't want to do stuff. I'm not motivated to empty boxes or clean or do anything. I just want to just sit. And so, and I've been fighting it because I hate being nonproductive. I'm a type A personality and I hate that feeling of not doing anything. I feel lazy. I feel like I'm lazy so much lately. Um, but I think my sadness was calling me, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Um, so what I did is before we meet, before, um, this tonight, I wrote down what the process. So here I'm feeling off. I don't want to do anything, but I, I'm, I, I, it's like, I'm irritable. And this is what happens with me is that I don't, I can't settle. And I, I keep getting up and doing things. Like I, I'm doing projects that I don't need to be doing. And I'm just, I can't settle. That's the ego fighting the sadness. I don't want to be sad. I don't want to feel 
all of these feelings about my mom and her mortality and her health and well-being. So I, I keep so like, but then at the same time, I'm getting signs like I'm getting like people calling me seeing memes i'm just seeing signs that are saying it's okay like like eric you told me a couple times it's okay to like you know just do the shadow work and i'm fighting it fighting it fighting it and finally i make becky becky Okay, so Becky, you were saying? Yeah. So finally, after all this fighting and all of this resisting, um, I I think it was, I sat down on the toilet. I don't, you know, it's like you don't know when it's going to happen. You don't know when you're going to get caught. But a, a, a song was playing. Um, I, I I think it was like one, a, uh, you know, basically a kirtan to, to Sita Ram and Hanuman. And it was playing and the cord changed or something. And I'm sitting on the toilet and I can hear this from the other room. And I just, and I just cried. And the funny thing is I don't cry like I used to. It's like a burst. It's like, a, like in Florida, we get these little sun showers, right? Where it just rains really hard, but the sun's still out. That's kind of like what happens with me now. So it's just burst. I just sob intensely. And then like, I don't know, two minutes later, I'm okay. And then I go back into the cycle again and then I fight it. And then it, it's just this whole thing. And, and then I, you know, I'm trying to get back to it. I can't. So it's just this ongoing, this is what my day looks like on days like this, where I know I have shadow work to do. And there, it's like this ongoing battle between ego and heart. And the heart's just like, dude, just love. It's okay. You're sad. Your mom's sick. You know, she's like the stoner. <laughs> the, <laughs> and she's like, hey, my heart's like, hey, man, it's cool, man. You, you, it's all good, you know. And then my head is I like, like the. Heart. You know, I want to hang out <laughs> with your heart sometime. Yeah, she's we'll great. Smoke a doobie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the doobie of love. <laughs> and. Um, but then, you know, my 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 ego is like she's like this librarian. Like I've I've talked about her that way. Like she's like this. She's like everybody be quiet. Shh, shh. You need to be quiet. You know. And she's like she, you can just see her ass is all tight. You know, her butt's all tight, and she's all tight and skinny, right? And you know, and like my, you know, and and they the two of them they just all day long they're just doing this thing back and forth and then you know all it takes is a little jayutal or a little you know little kirtan little krishna das and heart goes <laughs> so um that that's what my my life looks like basically <laughs> okay well you know uh listening to you got me which is often a technique that ramdas recommends like seva Seva can include listening to someone's troubles other than yourself. And, um, you know, like it could be a friend, it could be a family member, it could be someone you're involved with uh, in some sort of spiritual satsang type, whatever. Oftentimes, listening to someone else's troubles, um, 
you know, pulls you out of your own, like, pity party, which, yeah. well, in my case, I was having that pity party, but then when I was listening to your troubles about your mom, it, you know, I was like, well, you know, my mom's doing pretty good, I mean, you right. know, all I did was this chick, you know, I'm not going to get laid, I mean, is that such a tragedy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so it kind of put it in perspective, but even if I was having a great deal of suffering over something very big, it does help to listen to someone else's suffering. Yeah. It yeah. is a good process, you know? Yeah. And I was getting pulled out of that pity party a little bit when I was listening to you. Yeah. You know? yeah. And and I one thing I notice is that, you know, people have all these, like, these Western techniques for getting people to not be sad. You know, and they'll, they'll say, like, well, well, look at, you know, at least you have a mom, you know, or something like that. At least she's still <laughs> alive. Or, you know, and, and they do this kind of, like, like they try to give, put it in perspective and, and that, you know, that doesn't work, but it's, it's like what you're doing, like this act of listening, like, oh yeah, that hurts. Like it hurts. Like maybe yeah. you've never had a mom go into a mental hospital, but you don't need to because you, you feel it. And, and that somehow absolves our own pain. It's like, it's like we share something about sharing pain is just so beautiful. Yeah. I feel like our heart, to really be on the spiritual path, or path, I said Pat. Who's Pat? Anyway, <laughs> Pat, get away. I'm trying to talk here. So, <laughs> our heart has to break every day, our human heart, to have that empathy, to have that heartbreak for the suffering of ourselves, for the suffering of the world and others. Uh, so that's important. That lets the light in. That's yeah. the balance. We have to have that yeah. heartbreak, and we also have to have that spacious awareness where Right. You know, we're just aware of sadness or we're aware of suffering or we're aware of that. You know, I think it's about the balance, like you were saying, like your heart and your ego are fighting. It's about the balance between that which you're working to achieve, which is not really an achievement, but it's something. It's some sort of like maybe I have that. I'm not even sure, but I have some yeah. sort of spaciousness where I could just right. witness the suffering. Right. And right. then the suffering helps push me towards compassion and so on and so forth. Right. I think I think I have to clarify. I don't think my um my ego and my heart are fighting. I think they're playing cards. Oh, I like that much better. <laughs> so who's winning right now? Oh, but right now someone here heart is heart's having a blast. Ego's like just in the corner the with heart their arms. The better cards, I guess, right? What's that? The heart has the better cards, but the ego's always bluffing. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. And I see, I see her like lay down the cards and they're all hearts, of course. (laughs) I like that analogy a lot. And I, yeah. And I, and I, I think I, I say they're playing cards because fighting implies that there's like this. Now, sometimes they are fighting, you know, there, there truly is those times when, when, um, you know, when I'm irritable and like, it's just, it's not flowing, but, but when, but playing cards, it's like, it's because it's a game. Like they both know that they're both in this game, like ego and heart, ego or heart knows that egos just has to be there. It's part of the game. So nobody's upset or mad at the other person or trying to annihilate the other one. They're just playing the game and, and they're truly both trying to win, but in kind of a distant kind of like um playful way i've played cards with people like that before and then i played cards with people that take it way too seriously one time my cousin it was over a five dollar game i uh-huh. flipped out 
that fact that she was almost going to win and then she lost and she took all the money, she took her money back and it was $5. So, you know, <laughs> I think that analogy is important to recognize that it's a game. Like a lot of people do play cards in a fun way. You know, um, we're not talking about, you know, the Texas Hold'em poker challenge, you know. Right, right, right. Exactly. There's no, I got a little off topic, but I can't help it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I when So growing up, I, I've, I've never been a good pl- game player of any sort, except Pictionary. I'm really good at Pictionary. There's a couple, like, games where you have to vote on, like, like humor. I'm pretty good at those. But when it comes to just, like, strategy games, forget it. And I had a best friend who was two years younger than me. All through high school, we'd play games all the time. No matter what the game, she would beat me. And, and that, and, but we played anyway. And to me, like, I think that's kind of like life is like, (laughs) you kind of know you're going to get beat. Like we know, like, you know, you're going to die in the end. You're going to lose. Right. (laughs) But, you know, but if you're just playing, like it's, it's not so bad, but like you're saying when you're really attached to the game and you get so heavily involved, then suddenly you suffer. But the the lighter you take it, you know, if you go, well, yeah, I know I'm going to lose. You know, I always was going to lose to Abby, you know, but that just made it fun. I don't know why, but it just made it fun. No, I know what you mean about that. It's, it's about how much you invest in the game you're playing. Because, for example, uh, with my ex, we used to always play Scrabble on our phone. Or we didn't have our phone, but my phone. Anyway, so we play Scrabble and she's super smart, like super smart. She went to Cornell university. So, yeah. So she would always win by a lot. One time I won fair and square. You should have saw the look on her face. It (laughs) shows how much she was invested. She said, Oh, it didn't matter. Right. It's just a game. Sure. Look at her face when she lost, you know? So, yeah. And you, like you said, we ultimately lose in the end in the sense of being an ego. Yes, we do lose. The ego, yes. ego ultimately dies. So the ego yeah. will always lose in the end. And yeah. enlightenment is the ego's ultimate disappointment because then it never exists anymore. But right. who exactly. we really are is winning right here and now and will eternally right. win. You know, so it's exactly. not you that's going to lose. It's right. the ego, you know. And that, and that's just it is, is life when you're playing a game. Like, let's say you're playing Monopoly. It's not about the end product, you know, whether how much money you get at the end. It's about like in that moment, like, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm counting six spaces with the boot. You know what I mean? It's like it's just being there in the moment. It's the game itself that is the thrill, not the winning. The game of Monopoly, though. Yeah, no, right, exactly. That's that's the eternal game. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and uh, getting back to this suffering is grace thing. I mean, oftentimes it's not seen as grace while it's happening. We're lucky in that we can have times where we can witness the suffering or have space or see it as a game. A lot of people have so much suffering that they that say suffering is grace to them is like a slap in the face. You should never say it to certain people, but even if it is true, because they will never see that until they get past the suffering. And then they look back right. and they say, whoa, it was grace in a way now right. that I'm past it. But during it is the most difficult time to see suffering as grace is during the midst of it. Even Ram Dass struggled with that, you know, during his suffering, he couldn't see it as, as grace. But not, so a lot of times he did see it as grace, but sometimes he would get really caught in it, especially, you know, the few years after he had his stroke, you know, right. he did get caught in the suffering sometimes. Right, right, right. 
Yeah, and 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 I think I think the getting caught is part of part of it too. I, I don't know why, but that's the part that that really hurts is or it, it like to me like today where I couldn't settle like I was just irritable and I'm bouncing around I'm like what's the right thing what am I supposed to do how am I supposed to be calmed down how am I you know and I'm walking around my house like a mad woman and I don't know what to do I don't know you know that 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 is the key component of it because when you're there you get the opportunity to get out of it like I'm out of it now talking to you. You know, it's like so. So it's like it's like when you're meditating and you're you. Let's say you're just following your breath, and you realize you you've been spending like, you know, three minutes just making plans for what you're gonna have for breakfast, and and it's it's that that's the 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 rough part where and you're like, oh my god, I've been wasting all this time. I'm supposed to be meditating, but that's the point. That's the golden point because that's where you get to come back. You know. Oh yeah, yeah, that is, it. you know, and it's like, I think it it's key. I, I thought of something, Miraji. This uh, podcast is named after Miraji under the blanket, so I like to include a story about him every now and then. So Miraji, this woman came to Miraji, and she was like, "All I know," she asked her about suffering, and she said, "Miraji, all I know is suffering." Like she had a terrible life of poverty or whatever it was, and. You know, a lot of people have lives like that. All they know is suffering. Right. And he said something very profound, at least to me. Suffering gets me closer to God. Yeah. And that's what it ultimately comes down to. Yeah. Why is all this suffering here? It's there so we could experience the opposite of God. So we could experience what we're not. Right. To right. go back that's into that. God. How would we know we are God and divine and ultimate bliss right. if we did not explore all of the shadow all of the suffering, all of the duality. We there would be no way, I don't think, to right. have been God, never created anything, and just lived in bliss forever without having ever created these universes to experience. But and you know, anyone even had have to make this stuff. Yeah. 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 No, I, I I agree. And and in fact, I remember when I first studied started studying like Eastern philosophy and reading about enlightenment. Like very early on, I was like. Uh-uh. Like, why would I want to be enlightened? Like, I'm here for a reason. I'm human for a reason. I don't want to. It's like almost like enlightenment's the cop-out. It's like, no, I want to have these difficult things. And and it's like this, I, I can't explain this to people. I try to explain it to some people who aren't kind of like in this tr life track, but, but it's like, I need to have, it's like, it's not that I like suffering, but it's that, that it's why I'm here. It's it's I, my I job. I understand, Becky, because you know, uh, seeking enlightenment first of all it doesn't get you enlightened. Right. You're not supposed <laughs> to seek it. Right. It, in fact, it might drive it away even farther. Right. You know, and it's like what we have to realize is it will come when it comes. Like Ram Dass spent many years being obsessed with when he was going to be light, and every chance he get, we would ask about Nepro Baba, when am I getting the light? And he'd be like, feed people, serve people. He was like, what? You know, so <laughs> what it comes down to is we become enlightened when we're going to become enlightened. What about right here and now? That's why the book right. is called Be Here Now. It's not called Wait Till You Get Enlightened or Seek Enlightenment. <laughs> it's not any of that. That comes when it comes. And, you know, the cop-out part, I've often thought it was a cop-out, too, because that's why there's bodhisattvas. Right. The bodhisattvas don't get fully enlightened. They go really close to it. Right. But they don't get fully enlightened because they see no one is free 
until we're all free. Yeah, if you could get totally enlightened, totally fully liberated, what about everyone else? They're right. still you. Right, so right, you're right. not even enlightened. Really. Right, it's exactly. Like about. Right. right, right, right. That's an interesting, I guess I never thought about that. But yeah, if we're, if if I am all, then me getting enlightened means everyone's enlightened. Or if they're not enlightened, then yeah, it's, yeah. That's, yeah, that's. Uh, Be Here Now talks about that predicament. He calls it the Bodhisattva predicament, which is why we're all really Bodhisattvas. We wouldn't be here unless we're somehow coming back to for the sake of all you know yeah, we have that yeah. place inside of us that has a savior sort of uh, messiah stuff not the way in one person's messiah in the way that we all have this little messiah inside us that's doing whatever we're doing for the sake of all beings you know right, i feel yeah. that that's not some something that a, a couple people have or one person, we all have that you know right right and and you know along with that you know because like i i've known i've known some people who are are just forces of dark like they i don't think i think they they want to be good people but they just like they're just they just do bad things we we all know people like that and those people like according to they what you're saying support donald trump what's it oh i i guess we we have one that we all know but like bless his soul like i i seriously like i i watched that man and and i I can say it on here i don't say this to most people directly but um you know oh my gosh that man is doing such work for us like and i and, and i feel for him i feel compassion because he has to go through such he has to represent such dark ego he's so like ignorant of his own ego um and and like he's that man is suffering i don't care what anybody says he is suffering deeply i had to talk with this as much as i do put him down i don't really feel that's the truth he is god just like everybody and he is suffering immensely to be that identified with ego he is going through so much suffering and this woman i'm you know talking with uh, as far as like a spiritual connection and advising her she said she every night she prays for him and she Aww. feels like she holds him at night and says it will be yeah. all right. Aww. And that doesn't mean we support her as politics. It no, means no. We have, you know? It's so. Okay, Becky, so what were you saying? Uh, what was I saying? I was talking about... Um, the sound of one just, hand clapping. Yeah, right, exactly. Oh, it's just Trump. Like, I just, like, I, I just, I, I agree what you were talking about your friend, and it's, it's like, I watched him the other day with an open heart as opposed to with an angry mind, and I, I, it was it was painful. I actually started crying because... And maybe I'm projecting, it's possible, but I just, like, there's a lot of pain in that man. Um, to, he, he's so, he. how could you be that ego filled with ego? I mean, there's got to be so much pain. So, right, I send him love, too. And, and right, it's not his, the, the, the business he's doing, you know, to the country is, is disgusting to me. But his that little spirit, I feel for. I'm sure, anybody know? listening to this would understand that. But you know, I have. My, I wonder the suffering I have over Trump is not so much Trump; it's the people that follow him. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they're in a lot of pain too. Like like you know, they're they've got a lot of reasons for that. Because because I don't think people want to be hateful. I know a lot of Trump supporters. I know a lot of Trump supporters here. And they're not hateful people for the most part. I think they're good people um, who are, I don't know, misguided or who are hungry for something that they're not getting. And, you know, that's all of us, really. We're all hungry for something we can't get. I mean, yeah. you know. And, uh, yeah, and it just I just think they're drawn to him because they have that, they haven't acknowledged that shadow aspect of themselves that they see in Trump and they like that and they want to be like him in some subconscious way and that's a really dark place to be yeah so you know we have to have compassion for these people and I have compassion for Trumpers by not associating with them I love them from a distance for example I have a friend (laughs) Brandon who was a friend since college and all of a sudden he joins the QAnon cult and thinks Trump's some savior against these elite pedophilia and yeah yeah there's plenty of elite pedophilia but Trump's one of the elite pedophilia. They all do this. All these elite capitalists do that kind of stuff. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is, I was like, I can't associate with him. I can't chill with him. I can't be involved with him in any way. But it doesn't mean I don't love him. It doesn't mean I don't care about him. It means I don't want to hear his BS, you know? Right, right, exactly. exactly. But I think that heavily applies to the suffering topic because, you know, he, he is suffering a lot, this guy. Yeah, yeah, and I and I th- I think being a a smart sufferer, like what we're talking about, the ways that we suffer. I mean, I think suffering well. Um, the one of the gifts of learning to be a professional sufferer is um, that I see the suffering in others easily, and I I can love very easily because I love my own soul so tenderly. So. So now we're going to end the show, but I'm going to end it before. I was just going to end it on Buddhist Four Noble Truths. The first Noble Truth is life is suffering. The second is desire causes suffering. The third is there's a way out of suffering. And the fourth is a detailed map out of suffering, which I can't get into now. Anyway, this has been your host, Baba Here Love, or Buddha, whichever you want to see me as. Anyway, you'll probably just see me as some crazy hippie from Southern Jersey. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Because I don't care how you see me. But if you are a hot chick, contact me, please. Anyway, <laughs> anyway I've had Becky as a wonderful guest. And I hope you join me again, Becky. For uh, Becky, send us off with some positive, encouraging words or something. All right. I just want to say to every single ear that is an earshot of us right now that you are loved. That whatever you're going through, it's okay. Pain is part of the process. You are beautiful. You are amazing. You are magnificent. Yeah. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Remember, be here now.